0: You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Today's teaching text comes from Isaiah 61, verses 1-3. through 3. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. Good morning. Hey, I feel like I'm moving in, like I have stuff to bring over here. Um, before we jump in today to the teaching, I just wanted to give a very brief public service announcement. Uh, I just want to give a quick update on our food pantry. Uh, we have officially closed our Saturday food pantries in partnership with St. John Lutheran Church uh, down the corner from us for the foreseeable future. That does not mean that either of our congregation have stopped caring about our neighbors, nor that we hung our gloves uh, on the fight against food insecurity. And it's honestly much the contrary. The reason was more logistical and practical than anything. And we just felt like the timing was right to do so. Uh, within, within the last year and a half or so, we've served alongside them, and through the harshest and most extenuating circumstances due to COVID and the many rising needs that we all know, God did not disappoint. There was always enough food for whoever came in line, and we've witnessed what I could only uh, describe as a miracle of multiplication, like seriously, countless of times. It'd be like, how many people were in line? Wait, how many bags we had? all these people wait what the numbers didn't compute but at the end of the day everyone always left with a bag so praise God for that and honestly he's had a plan all along uh, and he still does Uh, so what's clear is that due to some changes and like I said honestly logistical and practical reasons uh, that we've tried to overcome through many different food pantry team meetings and meetings with St. John and different partners and all that it just felt like the season was wrapping up Uh, so we gave it to God, and we thank Him for allowing us to use our hands and feet to bless our neighbors uh, in this very special way through these very harsh circumstances, uh, and we thank Him for the beautiful relationships that, that were formed throughout that time. And we say, we're here Lord, what's next? Um, and we're still again, of course, we are a strong presence and partnership in North Brooklyn, uh, again, Against uh, fighting for hunger and and food insecurity Uh, and our partners who are long-time Organizations who have been doing this much longer than us by the way uh, Also need our hands and feet so let's just continue with that same spirit with that same heart uh, and joining them because we are on the same team Uh, Let's continue to bless our neighbors and advocate for sustainable changes for food access for everybody Uh, for all of you here in this room and those at home who served on a Sunday, I just wanna say thank you so much. Uh, it's been personally, I think for our church, to one of the most redemptive, formative, and fruitful things we've, we've experienced through the pandemic. Uh, and it was an honor to worship alongside you guys, bagging food, carrying boxes, distributing bags, and receiving huge smiles in return. So again, this does not stop here. Uh, it does not define, those moments does not define us alone. We keep doing it. Uh, we continue to love and serve and bless our neighbors and our neighborhoods. So please, get involved, sign up with North Brooklyn Angels. They also need people. And they prep food from Monday to Saturday. So I went from just doing something on Saturday for every other day of the week. Ah, uh, but please, look for them, they're amazing. Really good partners. Uh, look for Los Sutes, Southside United. They're on the other side of the BQE. They also have their own community. Uh, food pantry and do a bunch of other community services. Check them out, we love them, Uh, and get involved. Again, we continue to do this. Uh, We have many other partners on our website, please check it out, and all that to say, God, we thank you so much for this season that you walked us through and with us. Thank you for the many ways that we've encountered you there and for the many ways that you continue to provide and care for our neighbors in ways that we cannot. So thank you for what's next, and for your continuous blessing and teaching us how to love one another the way you loved us, whether through bags of food or anything else. We love you, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. That was it. Good morning, church. Start again. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So jumping right in. We're going through this teaching series, very quick one. Uh, I'm just confused with this stand thing. It's It's not the one thing, anyways. We're going through the teaching series, uh, highlighting our three pillars with our three kind of building blocks of our community that have been uh, a really a way to like remember our values and who we are being formed into. So Gemma last week talked about pilgrim community, uh, which is highlighting that, highlighting that we're in a journey following Jesus uh, and we're called to be family, sharing the values of the kingdom. Like we have the little tag phrase, like living in Brooklyn together by the valleys of heaven. Uh, next week Patrick is going to talk about merciful presence uh, Which is the way we respond to injustice around us with mercy and compassion uh, against Imitating Jesus's very life and today if you're tracking we have three of them uh, I have the honor to talk about formative encounter uh, Which is usually again we attribute attribute that little phrase which is experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and being formed in the image of Christ So that just right off the bat acknowledges that we need the Holy Spirit uh, and I love that when I think about it, Jesus told his disciples, like, listen, it's better that I go away because my Father is gonna send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one who is with you, molding you, convicting you, remembering you of all things, and counselor, compassion. Uh, so Jesus is basically saying, listen, just buckle up, because good stuff is only getting started, right? Yeah. So let's talk about formative encounter. What does that mean? Like, what do we say when we're talking about formative encounter? Let's use the word encounter first. Um, When I was between four, five, six years old, my family would love to go to, we used to go a lot to Disney World, the one in Orlando, not the one in California. Sorry, Californians. The one in Orlando is just nicer. (laughs) My wife's from California, but anyways. Uh, But we used to go to the one in Orlando, basically because I'm from Brazil, y'all. Orlando is basically like a mini Brazil. So many portraits, it's insane. Anyways, we used to go to Disney, and back at that time, when I was young, there was this little like uh, autograph book that you'd get in the beginning with like a pan, and me and my sister were just like one- all around the park because we want to meet all the different characters and get their autographs. Uh, but the thing is that you never know where they would be so are you like in the ride, like in the line for a ride and be like, oh my God, that's Pluto. I want to go on this ride, uh, but I want to get an autograph for Pluto. So at the end of the day, it just had like met with all these different characters. But here's the thing. Uh, I, was, I was thinking that because when I was looking at the definition for encounter, I didn't know personally that has, we all know it's like we encounter, meeting face to face, kind of you meet someone, but there's also a nuance of an unexpected thing. It's an unexpected meeting. And I didn't know that, so there you go. Um, but but I, that just kind of like, you know, oh, it really, it, really, it really got me in there. And I was thinking about it, it makes sense to our context too, because when we're talking about encountering here in our context, we're talking about encountering with God, like the creator of all things, like, you know, the maker of all things. Because the other thing for encounter too, there was like a little nuance of, uh, like a clash or confrontation. I was like, whoa, this is, this is what an interesting word. Uh, but again, it made sense, because I'm like, if I'm encountering with God, like who am I, a creature, to encounter the one who created all things? Like, wait, there's this light fear of reverence in there, right? Uh, and that's the other reason for the word formative, kind of like coupling those two together. Because what we mean about formative encounter, again, is encountering God, experience the power of his Holy Spirit, and being formed, into the image of Christ, which means like, every time you encounter with God, something happens with you. Like, it's formative and transformative at the same time. What we're getting into is that, uh, there's this quote by David Foster Wallace that I think it really connects the dots for us. Uh, It's honestly very timely. Uh, It's one of my favorite quotes. He says, here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice they get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. And then he goes on to describe some of these things. He says, if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you never have enough. You feel like you never have enough. It's just the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual lure, and you always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you would die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. On one end, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified in myths, proverbs, cliches, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. And the hands with this, the whole trick is keeping the truth up in daily consciousness. So this is what I want you to think about. Worship and formation are the same thing. They're pretty much interchangeable. See, that's what David Foster Waller is tapping into here because one end, he says, we already know this stuff. It's, it's true. The problem is they're like, well, if we know it's true, then why doesn't that stop us on, track, on our tracks like enough to think about what exactly am I worshiping? Meaning, what exactly am I being formed into? And again, that doesn't mean that being healthy or like wanting to look good or all this stuff or having money and a good job, all this, it's not, none of those things are bad things. But we gotta be careful because our desires and our heart and our longest point to what we love the most. So that's why it's so formative. Worship equals formation. The question then is like, do you love the gifts or do you love the creator of the gifts? We become like the very thing we worship. We become like the thing we love the most. So worship is formation. Formation is worship. It's reorienting our loves. It's no wonder that then the first command was like, no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then Jesus again like, unpack that a bit more, because again, we need Jesus to understand the heart of the Father, thankfully. Uh, and then he said, yes, love the Lord your God with our heart so strength and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, oh, Jesus, thank you. Just like, raise the bar, bro. Like, but it's true, like, it's just, it really goes hand in hand, and we'll get to that in a little bit later, but let's, let's talk about worship then, right? First off, I hope by now you've already sense that we're not just talking about Musical expression of worship, right? Uh, worship is everything you do. Worship is your heart, direction, and orientation. Um, the singing and the praising, and the raising of hands. This is expression of worship when we gather. So, what do we mean? Like when the Bible talks about worship, there's so many words in the Bible that were translated as worship. A lot of them refer to like you know a posture of our bodies, like to bow down or to look up, uh, they also refer to our internal posture, right? Again, something with our hearts and our gut. But if you take all of those into context, and, and the, the common thread between all of them is that there is something like a sense of reverence, like a feeling of expression and adoration to something or someone. I like to think of, uh, of, of a worshipful heart as a grateful heart, right? Uh, my grandma, growing up, uh, in the most random situations, she'd always say like oh, "obrigada Jesus," which means "thank you Jesus" in Portuguese. I'm like, what? Like, we're in the, in the cashier line to the grocery store, and it was like such a long line. And she'd be like, oh, "obrigada Jesus." Like, what? I'm like, ah. I was like, I would get annoyed sometimes. She'd go up the stairs, and like her knee was like already pretty bad and hurting, and she'd be like, oh, "obrigada Jesus." Anyways, uh, but the thing is, like, yes, in all circumstances, to be thankful and grateful in that sense. But even the ones that we don't think about it, even the ones that are painful, the ones that like add 30 days to you, or 30 minutes to your to your your routine, but a worshipful heart is a grateful heart. It's a formative encounter. Formative encounter is the power and the purpose of our worship. The power, because again. We're adding that tag phrase, is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God working through it. But the purpose of it is formation. Again, it's forming us into the image of Christ. Again, and God promises to be near us, to draw near to us. Many times I say, whenever there's two or three, I'm there. I'll never leave you as orphans. You know, the Holy Spirit will be with you, with you, crying, Abba, Father. I'll be with you to the end of ages, all those things. But the truest test of our worship is not about what it does to us here, but it's rather or not like if it tingle our senses of that bridge is like really hitting the, the spot in my heart. But it's actually how is it forming your day to day? How is it forming your inner being, reorienting your desires and your loves? Truest, a present encounter with God in a moment reforms who you are in a future journey on an ongoing way. Yes, it's God's joy to encounter with you, to intervene in your day-to-day, because whether you thought about it or not, we were never, 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 ever, never uh, meant to live life alone. <laughs> thought about it or not. And what I long, I mean not alone without people, but I mean alone apart from God. So that's why formative encounters not and cannot ever point to a simple single moment on a Sunday or event in a particular week in the past. It has to point to a continuous way of living, an encounter with God in every single aspect of your life, like all of the time. And yes, I believe that if I look in the room, if I ask about it, most of us, we have some very powerful story and a beautiful story of an encounter with God that formed us, and those are true, and this is also what we're talking about here, but what I'm challenging you is that not to live in those not to live in the moment, asking God to do that thing that same way again, because God has invited you into a life of formative encounters, wherever you go, wherever you are, not just here in the space. Our dear Sam Bailey used to say, God longs to meet with us way more than we long to meet with him. I always thought it was so true, so beautiful, because it's not about our ability to cling to God, but his incessant desire to hold us close. And it's really clear when you actually look at the story God's been writing all along, when you look at the Bible and Old Testament and New Testament. So let's scan it real quick, very quick. Old Testament, Genesis. Think about it. There's no need for a formative encounter because you're seeing God face to face. God was present, like right there, walking with man and woman in the cool of the day. Uh, That was it. It was that relationship, it was that presence, perfect and beautiful as it was created, whole And then Genesis 3 happened, of course, we kind of wanted to be like God and took things in our own hand. Decided to do things alone, remember? Apart from God, not how we're supposed to do anyways. And then from that, the story unfolds, God calls Abraham and the family grows into generations. We kind of know the story. If you don't, pick me up, we can talk about it. Uh, Egypt happens, all that. God delivering people from Egypt, Pharaoh, and then what? This is all part of the plan of God redeeming all things. But it's starting with that random group of people called the Israelites, right? And then God told Moses, hey, I want to liberate my people because I've seen their suffering. So bring them to this place to worship me, right? So then all that happens. God delivers the people. People go into the, to the foot of the mountain to worship God. God speaks. And then people are like, oh, no. Moses, you deal with that. But I can't. We can't. People are terrified. They're like, no Moses, we can't, you be our mouthpiece. And the reality is that that was never really God's intention to do that. God's gathering his people, creation back again. He's like, God is like, I'm not gonna contradict myself. I love you and I'm redeeming this and I'm using you. I'm faithful to my promises, so I'll work with that. So there was this whole thing that was created with that, think about it. So Moses was like our first priest. Right so then, within that, as, as the Israelites evolved in and, and, and the cities and all that, you have a system that established a people, a place, and a time. So you have people because you have priests right that the only ones that could actually go in the presence of God and all that that would be that intermediated on behalf of the people and God, you have a place because since the times of the desert, there was like a tabernacle, like a tent to encounter God and even perfectly, you know, aligned and millimetric was like so beautifully well-designed and inside of that was like the Holy of Holies where like God's presence actually dwelled. So you'd go there to meet with God. Not everybody again, just the priest, but there was a place. And there was also a time because there were assigned festivals, there were like specific sacrifices in the day and all that stuff. So that was very clear. There was an order of things. Then we got to the New Testament. Jesus way. First of all, we're hit with proximity, meaning because God, God, who was confined to that dwelling place, first off became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, right? So God draw near us, first of all. And then you have life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And within that, the veil of that place, that Holy of Holies, is torn down. Meaning there's no more separation between us Whatever else is in God within that space, no more. God's very presence is now accessible everywhere and anywhere. Meaning the Holy Spirit was poured out. Again, Pentecost, baptizing all who believed. Like Peter later on talks about building, building ourselves into a spiritual house. Meaning God's no longer confined to a physical space. To a temple. He says, you are the temple. Your very lives are the temple. So then you see the drastic difference between the Old Testament, which was needed and necessary, and the New Testament, which we live on today. People, a place, and a time, become a people, a priesthood of all believers, anyone who believes. A place, anywhere and everywhere, in a time, all the time. But if I can be honest for a second, I believe that even in the past, and even us in this church, in many ways, that's so entangled and maybe culturally wired through generations in church history and all to still have the Old Testament mentality of a people, a place, and a time. Thinking only that person who is on stage with a microphone speaking can pre- pray on my behalf or only like in this place I can actually meet with God. Have you ever heard that Sunday is the most segregated time of the day, of the, of, yeah, of the week? It's part of that. We still have many times this Old Testament mentality of like, "Well, I meet with God there." It's true; He's here; His presence is tangible, because He promised to be with us. But don't limit yourself to that. Don't. Beautiful as I am, also really honest, I know that God's been so gracious to get out of whatever box we put Him in, always. And as long as we keep seeking him, I know that he'll always be like, okay, okay, this box is very cute. But no, it doesn't work for me. If you continue to shape us into who He call us to be and know more of who he is, to the fullness of who he is. So thankful. He's so faithful to that. So it we'll leaves us with a question then. How do we then cultivate a life of formative encounters? Let's get very practical then. Let's go back to that quote from David Foster Wallace. At the end, he says that the trick, the whole trick, is actually keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. I don't know about you, but the first time I read it is like, wow, that sounds so profound. I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but then I like read it a couple more times, like, okay, I think I know what you mean. If you think about it, I think he points to a rhythm of remembering. Remembering something, keep the front Keep the truth up front in daily consciousness. Remembering the story that we're a part of. Remembering who God is. Remembering the truth about him. Remember the things that he's done. Remember our role in this story that he's writing. All those things. Keep remembering. Keep practicing it. So to remember it like daily kinda requires some practice, right? Or some discipline. Or say disciplines, because actually in the plural. Um, Henry now has this really beautiful article. Thank you, Miriam. She sent it to me. Uh, It's talking about spiritual disciplines or practices. Uh, But he first points out that the words discipline and disciple kind of are the same, but actually have the same root. Have you thought about that? So, because the question is like, if I said you have to follow Jesus to be a disciple and an apprentice, then what disciplines? What practices will help me remain faithful to that choice? Catching it? Great question, Henry, thank you so much. Uh, In his definition of spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, it's one of the best I've I've, I've ever read, so I'll share it with you. Says the spiritual disciplines are the effort to create some space in which God can act. Spiritual disciplines are the effort to create some space in which God can act. It means to prevent everything in your life from being filled up. It means somewhere you're not occupied, but also not preoccupied. It means to intentionally create space in which something can happen that you had not planned or counted on. It's like, it's always been out of your control anyways. Just wanted to remind you of that. So how do we cultivate a life of formative encounters then? Well, we create space. Are we creating space in our daily lives for things to happen, for God to fill? Or are we like completely booked or anxiously controlling every single aspect of our life and then asking God, please do something because I can't? Shameless plug here. I think we've put so many plugs in this summer today. Yes. Shameless plug here that we have the Good Way course coming up starting this week. There's still spots on Thursday, I believe. Yes. Um, listen, truly it is one of the most, to me, has been one of the most digestible and engaging and one of the best ways I've got to experience. Being introduced to several different spiritual practices uh, that will shape your walk with Jesus, that will intentionally help you create space and stretch you and strengthen your faith and your relationship with God. Honestly, this is discipleship. This is you know a relationship with Jesus. So please take advantage of that. I cannot emphasize it enough. Uh, Another way that we can cultivate a life of formative encounters is by telling stories of formative encounter. Like we need to become storytellers uh, about what God is doing in our midst, in our daily lives. But like Patrick likes to say, how God is showing up and showing off, you know, Uh, because he does that. And that's literally like the whole of the Bible, if you think about it. Stories of encounter with a God that changed the course of history. Stories about men and women, very much like you and I, like broken, undeserving, and totally unqualified, that understood that it wasn't about them, but about what God was doing and how he was inviting them, meaning inviting us into what he was doing. Formative encounter with a living God that changed who they were, transformed their surroundings, meaning also blessed those around them. Think about it, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Formative encounter with God is not just transformative and formative to you, but also to those around you. And we need to become a storytelling kind of people. We need to. We're not really there yet. I'll call you all on that. So let me begin with that then. Let me tell you a story about what happened literally this past week. Uh, my wife Tiffany and I were working from home and then we decided to just go to this local coffee shop. Uh, Cause I had passed by then a few times and I was like, oh, I see some Brazilian flags. Woo, what's happening there? Uh, but it's, it's new in the neighborhood. So like, oh, Brazilian's taking over. I love this. Uh, so I was like, I have a coffee shop in place. We can go there. So we get in there. Uh, I'm walking in, and then I realize the whole decor, and it's like filled with like this beautiful indigenous artifacts and uh, very like Amazonia. And like I was like, wait, wait a second. I'm from Manaus, by the way, which is the north of Brazil, like in the middle of the rainforest. So I'm like, wait, this is very like my home. It was just beautiful. It's not like you know different different parts of Brazil. Uh, so that right off the bat I was like, oh check. I like this good spot great spot. Anyway, so we sit down and then the owner uh, Sid was there and he introduced himself to us like, hey nice to meet you, Why not? And then Tiffany asked him like, hey, where are you from in Brazil? And he's like, Manaus. I was like, What? I've lived here for 15 years and I've never met another Manawara. I promise you that. So I was like, oh my god, I gotta hear this guy's story. Like what's going on? How did you get here, bro? What's going on? Uh, but I also thought I was like, oh, I have a sermon to work on. I need to sit in the coffee and just like just <laughs> work this thing out. <clears throat> Anyways, so Sid, catch up with you later, bro. I'm gonna be sitting here. Um, so we we'll sit down, get to some work, uh, and then I overhear uh, Sid talking to some other guy in English, but then he eventually like, switched to Portuguese and I'm like, hmm. Uh, and, and I, I know what you think. It's like, Carlos, this is a Brazilian coffee shop. Of course people will be speaking Portuguese. Like, I know, but I was like, you know. The point is that that guy was speaking English and then switched to Portuguese, but I, I could tell that Portuguese wasn't his like, you know, main language, but he had like all this though, Like he was really fluent. I was like, what is your story, dude? Like, who, who, how do you know Portuguese? Anyway, so, and then says so like, oh, that guy over there is also from Manaus. And I was like, oh gosh, like how are you doing, whatever. So I start talking and then um, he points out that I'm from Manaus and all this stuff. And then this other woman sitting from, across from us uh, she's like hey, hi stars to speak Portuguese like I'm from Kenya But I travel a lot in Brazil and I've been to Manaus and I went up the Amazon River and I was like "Oh my god, who are these people like where you been? This is amazing. It was a party. It was a lot of fun uh, So we start chatting a bit more about like hey, what do you do? What brought you to the city kind of thing? Uh, this other guy uh, What's his name again? I'm blanking anyways, but he was he was from Cameroon So it was like how do you guys speak Portuguese? I was so I was, so, I was floored Anyways, but we started chatting. Uh, Neema, uh, the woman from Kenya, uh, shared a bit about what she does. Uh, and she's a speaker, she, she's a theorist, uh, and she was saying that she focused a lot on the intersection of technology and culture and spirituality. And then she dropped this like in the, instead of the decolonization of technology, she says like the re-indigenization of technology. I was like, I'm still chewing on that. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, Anyways, but then, like, the conversation kind of stops. Because if you, if you talk too long, it's just kind of awkward. Say, sorry, guys, you're working. So I'm going to go back to work. So we kind of, like, politely, like, oh, yeah, sure. Just go back to do your thing. So I just go dive a deep research. Like, what is this? What is she doing? Like, I just I go into her website, check out, like, you know, all these projects and things that she's about, uh, as curious as I am, of course. And then I see this thing, one of the projects there was called Radical Love. And I'm like, oh, this called my attention. So I clicked on it. Started seeing like this little slide presentation about how do we make love go viral. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then, so like, little uh, spoiler alert: you can't. I was like, oh well. Wow. But it was it was really interesting because it was well written and and it was wrestling with the tension of describing like what viral means and what she loved and, and, and the fact that we all want love to go viral because we understand how healing and restoration it's needed because of love and. But the thing with the virus that like, you know, it is a trend so it doesn't last long So we don't necessarily want that to be coupled with love. You know, we want love to spread in a different way Whatever, whatever. And then she uses the word worship because it's wrestling with attention Like she says like, why do we worship the space of things? And I was like, whew, like acknowledging that, you know, the harm that we cause to ourselves and to the world around is like with the pursuit of like th- this meaning of urgency She was like basically saying, like in this little, you know, slideshow that I was like, oh my god, oh my god. She was like, hey, slow down and let love do its thing. And I was like almost in tears in this thing. I was like, oh my god, this is obrigado Jesus. Like this is so beautiful. Uh, so I like looked for her, I was like, hey, Nima, sorry to bother. We can just like kind of took a deep dive on your work here. Uh, who wrote this thing about like love going viral? She was like, I did, like so, oh, like, I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. I was like, uh, really speaking to my heart and soul here. So I was just telling her like, well, I'm a pastor. I'm actually preaching this week. And I was writing this thing about, about that, like just sharing how these things were really similar, like how I, I've known God to be loved in this way and how much we need to create space for him to act. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful moment. Like God reminding me again what he's doing in the world. And how that was a formative encounter to me. Like he pointed me to God. Like he strengthened my faith. He made me bow down to the one that is love. Who knows me so well. That brought me to this coffee shop. That is like very manawara. I was like well. Working up my heart with this. And like met me in this very beautiful conversation. In this very random way. And Nima if you're watching. Thank you for blessing me again. Just that you catch up on me. But that's the point I make. We need to become storytelling kind of people. What's your story about formative encounter? Where did you see God and his love breaking through this past week? In your life, maybe through you, maybe through someone else's life. See, a few weeks back when we had a prayer and worship uh, gathering, it was just beautiful to hear many of you come uh, and grab a mic in the front and just like share words of gratitude towards God and what he was doing. And listen, let's not stop there. Let's keep going. Like, I want you to know that going forward on Sundays, like we want to allocate time on a Sunday for you to share a story about formative encounter, about the things that God is doing in your life. That will shape us. That will shape our faith. That shapes who we are as a people, followers of Jesus. Are you ready to tell your story? Please do. Don't be shy. We're amongst family. It's cool. But please, I'm serious, any Sunday, any Sunday, keep your eyes open, what God is doing. And as we wrap up, I just wanna to point to something, a teaching text. So I don't know if you, if you caught that, but what is the result of a life of formative encounters? Right? right. What is the result of a love of encounters with God? Not just when we gather, but every day, at any moment, at any time, that you open to it. This our expression of love, right? Is that wherever you go, empowered by the Holy Spirit, there is, the teaching text says, you're proclaiming good news to the poor, you're binding up the brokenhearted, you're proclaiming freedom to the captives, you're released from darkness, there's comfort to all who mourn provides for those who grief. These are all things that we ought to be doing because we're filled with His very Holy Spirit and we know a God who is up to all these things. Oil of joy instead of mourning. a Garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. How much does our city needs, needs this? So much. And then the ending is just so beautiful. They were called Oaks of Righteousness planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor it's all about him and it's so funny that you know yeah we're called Oak Church Brooklyn and we kind of changed our name like about a year ago and about this time last year I was a volunteer with North Brooklyn Angels and our dear friend Santiago who is a volunteer there a long time <laughs> Patrick's laughing because he wasn't me in this conversation. He's like, yeah, we'll just change the names. Like, Santa's like, oh, what's your name? It was like, Oak's Church. He's like, and Santy's like an old-time Brooklyn Brooklyn guy. And I like, Oaks. There's no oak trees in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm, like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, nah, you know, just, yeah. Which which proves the point that we did not do this because of marketing or like actually we look good or sound good, but we. It's how beautiful, honestly, there's a much larger story to this, and if you ever wanna hear about it, I would love to share it, but this word has been spoken over us a long time, since you know, years and years ago. So it felt really fitting. And I think it's even more fitting that there's no oak trees in Brooklyn. It's like, well, we'll take it. Because the reality is that we are people planted like trees, by streams of living water, that yield its fruit every year for the renewal of the city, to bless those around us. So that wherever you walk, there's a chance of an unexpected formative encounter to happen. Yes, for you, for your sake to be transformative and informative, but for the sake of the city, for the sake of those around you, for the sake of the world. This is what a church is, people who are lives, who know such a love that is found nowhere else but in God. So this is how I want to wrap this up. That's just worship our bodies singing with raising hands with coming up for communion but just take this time don't let it pass just take this time to be in the presence of your father because that Sam says he longs to meet with you way longer way more than we long to meet with him but he's already here he's already draw near so don't delay we'll open up for communion uh, the way we do communion here just come up and you can take one of the elements. Uh, feel free to go back to your seat, take a mask off, and take communion. Or you can just hold off to wait until you outside and take communion that way. Uh, but yeah, let's just worship. And prayer team will be up if you want prayer. If you want to pray with someone, uh, also these awesome rugs. Just use the space however you feel like God is inviting you. So just be open to Him. Let's practice this here because this is what we do when we gather. We practice how do we love one another well, how to respond to God, how to know his voice well. So just use the space for that and worship in the way. Let's create the space that we need in our lives and hearts on a day-to-day and a week basis. Let's learn it here too. So let me just pray over you and please respond as you feel it. God, thank you that you are a God who has been writing this story all along. You're so kind and graceful and merciful that you invited us in because you love us so much God thank you that your love does not allow us to be stuck in the same place that you're always calling us forward to know more of who you are and to know more of who we are in you thank you God that we can become a people That everywhere we go, we spread your love, your aroma, for your splendor, for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Father, would you draw near us even now? Would you speak to us, each and every one of us, in ways that only you can do? God, would you open our eyes even more to the ways that you're forming us in our day-to-day lives, to the ways that you want to speak but we're so earshot. God, we don't want to be earshot. We want to be a people led by you because we know your love, your compassion, and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that Holy Spirit, your presence is everywhere nothing, absolutely nothing stops you. So, Father, have your way. Teach us to know your voice right now in this place when we gather. Teach us to love you more in ways that only you can do. Come, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come family, respond as if you will.